Hey, this is Andre Butler, pastor of Faith Experience Church. You're listening to the Faith Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message helps you engage your faith and experience the future God has for you. I want to start by reading John chapter 14 and verse 27. Jesus is speaking. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I think this is a very relevant opening of scripture because what we need right now is peace from heaven, not a natural peace that can be taken away, but the God kind of peace that can't be taken away. We need to make the decision to not allow ourselves to be troubled because we know God is here with us and God is going to make everything all right. And as we've said all year, it seems, the Lord spoke to us at the end of the year last year as a church family and said, it's gonna be all right in 2020. And I think he gave us that word because he knew we would deal with one of the most tumultuous years that we have ever had. And he wanted to assure us that we're gonna get through this and that we're gonna come out of this and actually be better in the end than we were in in, in the beginning. And so that's part of uh, what I'm holding on to. That's part of what's helping me to have peace and not be troubled. And I encourage you to hold on to that fact as well. Of course, what's happening right now, just this week, is is that we're dealing with uh, the aftermath of another murder, of the death of George Floyd uh, at the hands of a, a uh, at least one wayward police officer. You could argue all four of them that were there. Also, uh, we just finished dealing with the Ahmad Arbery uh, murder on uh, while he was jogging in his neighborhood, not by police, by just by some individuals who seemed to be racially uh, that seemed to be a racially motivated crime. Uh, the Breonna Taylor uh, death, which was also a result of police busting into a home in the middle of the night and shooting up a home when her boyfriend tried to defend himself, didn't know who was coming into home. They were plain clothes officers who burst in the home at what was it one or two in the morning and, and so he took he took a shot at someone and uh ended up being charged while the officers who then shot 10 bullets or more killed this 26 year old woman and we know there's so many other instances like this we could talk about so many cases where unarmed african americans have been killed and many times at the hands of police officers many times uh, when it happened, it was an injustice. There are definitely cases where the police have defended themselves and were right to do so. And not every hashtag is a case of injustice, but there's been more than enough for us as as a nation and particularly for African-Americans in this nation to be upset, to be concerned, to be angry. And that's what's happened. So many of us are angry. So many of us are sad. So many of us are, are afraid. And we now have riots breaking out throughout the country uh, as a result of that. And so my question is, you know, what does the Bible say about it? I mean, we're hearing what everybody else says about it, right? We're seeing what our friends are saying on social media. We're watching on the news. We're seeing what uh, was trending on Twitter and other places. But what does God say? Because when it's all said and done, it's his word that really matters. And so I want to take you through a few scriptures. First of all, in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 13, let's establish something very clear here. Here's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not kill. Now, this is one that often is misunderstood because the word kill here means murder. So it's not talking about killing to defend yourself, killing on a, on a battlefield. No, it's talking about murder. And God commanded 
that you shall not murder. That is a sin. It is wrong because it's harming another person, right? And what we witnessed when it comes to the death of George Floyd, for sure, was murder. And we saw that on our phones, our tablets, our laptops, on our television screens. We watched a man's life be taken from him. And that is wrong. It is evil. It is uh, traumatizing. And it is something that uh, I hope that I'm, I'm praying that the family of George Floyd can, can heal from. I know God can heal them and that our nation has to heal from. But then I want you to notice what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 21, because people aren't the only ones who are impacted by this. God hurts when he sees things like that. God isn't happy about that at all. And he doesn't like to see his children hurting. He cares and he cared about George Floyd. He cares about all of us. And this is one reason why he put laws into place to prevent these type of things. And so in Exodus 21, we read one of the laws that God had put in place under the old covenant for Israel when he was kind of their king. <clears throat> he says, now suppose, verse 22, two men are fighting and in a the process, they accidentally strike a pregnant woman. So she gives birth prematurely. If no further injury results, the man who struck the woman must pay the amount of compensation a woman's husband demands and the judges approve. In other words, she gives birth prematurely, but the child is alive, the child is not injured, then, you know, then they still got to pay a price. There needs to be justice, but that's all that's going to happen, have to happen. But if there is further injury, the punishment must match the injury. A life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, and a foot for a foot. Now, what's interesting here is he's talking about a, a pre-born baby. You know what some people call a fetus or a clump of cells. And he's saying that if two men get into a fight and they happen to hit a pregnant woman and that baby loses his life, the person that caused it should lose their life. That baby, he loses an eye. The person that caused it should lose their eye. That baby loses a tooth. You get the point. And so, you know, God, you can see how God feels about the unborn. And that's something else we can talk about another time. But this is where people get the, the premise, an eye for an eye. Now, we're now under a new covenant. And so things are a little different, of course, in terms of how God deals with issues today. But I want you to notice here this very simple fact that God is a God of justice. God is a God who believes in making things right, who believes in there being consequences for our actions, particularly when our actions harm other people. But then notice what Romans 12 verse, verse 19 says, and this is new covenant. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Of course, the, the King James Version says it this way, vengeance is mine. And so God is a God of justice and God is the one who ultimately wants to take vengeance against those who have violated his law, against those who have harmed his people. In fact, the Bible says God is just to trouble them that trouble you, right? God said to Paul, it's not good for you to kick against the pricks. How? Because he was persecuting God's people and God was saying, you're coming up against me. So God is the one who ultimately meets out judgment. And there are ways that he does that. Sometimes it's through government and, and you know authorities, things along those lines. But notice there that we have to leave that ultimately in his hands instead of taking it on ourselves. And part of the challenge we're having right now is that we feel like it's our job to meet our judgment. That I'm gonna meet our judgment by breaking out, breaking glasses. I'm gonna meet our judgment uh, by, by looting a store. I'm gonna I'm meet our judgment by finding the nearest cop and somehow punishing them for something somebody else did. 
That's not godly. Uh, the riots that we're seeing right now, they're not godly. That is not God's will. And unfortunately, many of them are really just uh, happening. They're happening as a result of people using this death as an excuse or even as a method to, to just wreck mayhem, to steal, to do things that are wrong and evil. God is the one who gets to uh, bring about vengeance. God is the one who repays. We got to get out of our minds that we do that. The Bible says that Christians should not give evil for evil or railing for railing. So the question then becomes, well, what should we do, right? If I'm not supposed to get people back, what am I supposed to do? Well, number one, be angry and sin not. Ephesians 4.26 says just that, be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. It is okay to be angry. There's a place in the Bible where Jesus walked in a temple, turned over tables, you know, he was angry, but he didn't do that in sin. He did that because he was led by God to, he didn't harm someone. He didn't steal from someone. And so we're in a day and age where once again, we've got a lot of rioting going on, a lot of looting going on. And so what's happening is that people are angry and they're sinning. And you need to be very careful to not do that. Be angry. It's okay to be angry. It's appropriate to be angry when things like this happen. There is something called righteous anger or righteous indignation, but don't let that anger lead into sin, right? Don't turn around and, and, and join in with what's going on right now in terms of the looting and the rioting. Don't even join in with the railing. In other words, the words that are being spoken that are just wrong, right? I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us Christians that you, you, you not to cuss until something like this happens. It doesn't tell us not to verbally attack and tear people down unless something like this happens. Those rules didn't change because of this particular situation or because of any other horrible situation that we find ourselves in. There's even a place in Jude where the Bible talks about how, you know, even Michael, the archangel, wouldn't even curse Satan himself. So, you know, there's something there about uh, uh, being careful about what you say. And so we want to make sure we're angry, but we sin not. That we still handle this the way Jesus would instead of uh, just the way we feel like we should handle it, just based on the fact that we're in our feelings. Well, number two, and I think this is important, weep with those who weep. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with those that weep. I think what's been lost in all of this is that people are hurting right now. And some of us have gotten so caught up in our anger that we've forgotten about the fact that people are hurting. And, and uh, the families, of course, of these individuals that have lost their lives and, and just so many other people. And the Bible teaches that our job when other people are, are hurting is we're to weep with them. We're to empathize with them. And, and let me add here that if you're someone that is not African-American, you may not fully grasp everything that's happening. I know so many people argue and debate about if this is, even is a problem, but I'm here to tell you that even if you're not sure that this is legitimate, you still have a biblical responsibility to weep with those that weep, to empathize with us, to comfort us, to pray with us during this time and allow God to reveal to you what the truth of the matter is. So weep with those who weep. If you know people that are really struggling with this, reach out and pray with them, talk with them, be there for them. And, 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 and that will be something else that you can do right now. Number three, refuse to fear. I'm going to approach this from a different angle, and that is in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything. But I like the word anxious here because that's how some of us are feeling right now. He says, be anxious 
for nothing, no thing. Doesn't matter what's happening. Doesn't matter what kind of danger you're facing. Don't allow yourself to be anxious. Why read that when you're talking about fear? Because anxiety is simply a symptom of fear. You become afraid of what the future may hold. So you're anxious. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So instead of being anxious or fearful, put your faith in God, go to God and ask for him to help. Thank him that he's it's already done. So pray in faith and then God will give you a supernatural peace that doesn't even make sense. You're almost, you'll almost say, you know, God, I, you might say to somebody else, you know, I should be afraid. I should feel more bothered than I am, but I just have this peace. I remember a situation I dealt with my first uh, home going ever did. I was pastoring in a church in Phoenix. I was on, around 21 years old and we had this family where uh, one Sunday, the family was in church. It was a man who was maybe in his 30s, his wife, and they had two kids. And one Sunday he was there. The next Sunday he wasn't because he had died uh, just unexpectedly. So I, here I am having to counsel this woman, do a home going in New Mexico uh, and, and, and just be there uh, as the source of comfort for this family at about 21 years old. And uh, I didn't know a whole lot of what to do. I've been trained in Bible school, but it's, it's one thing to hear about in the classroom. It's another thing to actually have to do it. But I did know this. I did know that if you will cast your care on God, if you'll choose to not be anxious for anything, if you'll go and ask God for his peace and his comfort, he'll give it to you. And I'll never forget it because uh, the fact that that woman was able to come back to me and tell me, man, I've had such a peace in the middle of this. And she should have been panicking. She didn't have her own job. She had no way of making money, right? She still had kids to take care of. But yet in the middle of that, because she chose to handle it the right way, God gave her a peace that passes understanding. And later on, she remarried. And I believe God's been taking care of her ever since. We've got to make a decision to refuse to fear, but instead tap into the peace of God by choosing to have faith. Now, Let's not forget to mention that the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Those of us who are Christians, that fear doesn't, is not a part of our spiritual DNA. It's not there anymore. So if fear is trying to come to you like a FedEx package, right, you can't accept it. And one reason why you can't accept it is because you realize who it's coming from, Satan. And when it's all said and done, the person that has caused this murder, the person that's caused these deaths, the person that's caused this division, the person that's causing these riots, is the devil. He is the one that's doing all of this. So don't give him place in your heart. Don't give him any, any right, any, any uh, space to have an impact in your life by choosing to fear. We've said it many times over the last couple of months due to the pandemic, choose faith over fear. What to help you with that is taking some of the scriptures we're looking at right now, but including the first one in John 14 and and reading that and speaking that out of your, your mouth and looking at Psalm 91 and, and reading that chapter. And, and if you need to, memorizing that, speaking it out of your mouth. So those scriptures are alive on the inside of you. And as faith rises, you'll find that your fear will dissipate. Here's the next one. This is an important one as well. Get the righteous in authority. Get the righteous and authority. And I mean, on every level, because sometimes when we look at these things, we just want to look at national politics. But actually, this applies to national politics, state politics, local politics, you know, cities, county, you name it. 
We need the righteous and authority. In fact, Proverbs 29, 2 says, when the righteous, in other words, those who are right before God, who live right before God, are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Exodus 18 and verse 21 is a scripture where Moses was being given advice from Jethro about how to properly govern the nation of Israel. Moses was trying to do everything by himself. He was wearing out and he wasn't able to serve the people well. And in verse 21, Jethro says to him, moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as, get this, fear God. In other words, they have a reverence for what God says, including his word, right? What God says in his word, that is what determines how I'm going to rule. The Bible says that those who rule by wisdom rule well. So he's telling us that people that are in these positions should be able men or men and men who have the ability to do it, but most of all, people that fear God. Goes on to say men of truth, hating covetousness, and they're not in this to get rich. He says, and take them and place them over uh, those of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. So we need the righteous and authority in our nation. And and so notice it didn't say when the Democrat is an authority, the people rejoice, or when the Republican is an authority, the people rejoice. I think we have gotten to the place where we treat our politics like sports teams. And you know, I, I have to admit, I'm a Detroit Pistons fan, period. So I will never, ever, ever like Michael Jordan, ever. I don't care unless he played for the Pistons. You understand? That's okay in sports. I don't even know if I can say that if he played for the Pistons, no. But that's okay in sports, right? To have my team and I'm down for my team. And if you get traded to my team, I could have hated you. But now I love you, right? That's not okay when it comes to politics and real life. And that's what we do. That's what we do. Instead of aiming for righteousness, we aim for party. Uh, we we and and that's a, that can't that can't work. Uh, we as Christians, therefore, need to learn to stand for judgment, justice, and righteousness. And what I mean by that is typically what you see with African Americans, and I'm just going to be real here, is that we're all about justice. We want justice, and we're right to want justice. But at the same time, we want justice. And yet we will ignore righteousness. Right. And then you'll have other people, many times of other, uh, 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 you know, skin colors and the like. And they're all about righteousness. Right. And they want righteousness. You know, so let's not kill babies because that is as wicked a sin as slavery. You know, and let's not promote sexual deviancy because that's destroying families, including black families. Right. And, and, and so they're all about that. But they might ignore justice. Well, Christians. Red, yellow, black or white should be about what God's all about in his word. We should not support injustice. We should not support, you know, uh, unrighteousness. We shouldn't support the killing of black babies because 20 million black babies have been aborted in the last 40 years. If black America had 20 million more voices, what kind of influence would black America have right now? How many Barack Obamas? How many Martin Luther King Jr.'s? How many of those great people have we killed in the name of politics or in the name of sexual deviancy, right? And at the same time, we should stand for justice. We should stand for what is right, and particularly in cases like this and people being treated correctly, the right way. I mean, I'm not trying to give a political speech. I'm just trying to help you to see that as believers, one of the things we can do is we can get the righteous in authority. 
And we need to do that, which means that some of you who are catching this need to obey God and run for office, whatever level God tells you to run. You know, if you know God's word and you're willing to stick with God's word as your platform, then let God use you in this arena. And when you see somebody like that, come behind them and support them. But don't continue to support people that are going to do things that are contrary to God's word. Recognize that whoever I'm supporting, they're supporting someone. So I got to be careful even then of who they're supporting. I need to stand on God's word when it comes to justice, when it comes to race, when it comes to abortion, when it comes to homosexuality, when it comes to uh, economics. You may say there's just not a lot of people that do that. That's why we need you. And when we do find them, we got to push them. Listen, our national sins are what opened the door to these kind of national crises, like the pandemic, like what's happening in our riots and, and racial injustice. So we can't ignore those national sins. And yes, God can use a King Cyrus from time to time. I know that's part of the argument with the government that we have right now. And, and I don't, I'm not going to speak for or against that argument, but even a King Cyrus who God may use right now, someone that may not be quote unquote righteous in themselves, but God is using them to accomplish his purposes. Well, that's something God can use for a season, but you need righteous leadership for the long term. So we need to make sure that we are getting the righteous and authority and we need to continue to respect and honor the authority that God has already given us. The Bible does say honor the king. The Bible does say God is the one who's called the police officer. So we ought to respect those individuals, honor those individuals because of the positions they hold, because that's how God wants things done and recognize most people in those positions, particularly when it comes to our police officers, are there because they want to serve. They're here to help people. They're good people. It's just the bad ones that give a bad name to them, just like bad preachers do the same and, and bad lawyers and the like. So get the righteous in authority on every level. Number, number five, be led in regard to protest. Be led in regard to protest. Romans 8, 14 says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of of God. Somebody asked me, is it wrong for us to protest? And I said, I don't think so. I don't think it's wrong to protest. I do think, though, that you need to be led by the Holy Ghost. You're not going to open the Bible and find, you know, Andre chapter 7, verse 21, which says, go protest in downtown Detroit tomorrow. No, there. this is why we have the Holy Ghost. Whatever you can't find in the book, you got him on the inside of you to guide you in. And so whatever you have peace about, then you go ahead and do. But even then, do it being sure to not be engaged in evil because the Bible says that the fear of the Lord hates evil. So, you know, don't put yourself in a position where you are doing evil. And of course, obviously be in a position where you're protecting yourself and those that are around you. But I think most importantly, you just need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And then number six and number seven are just all about prayer. I know people say, oh, thoughts and prayer, that means nothing. It's not most Christians that are saying that because those who say that don't even know God. So why would they believe in prayer? But Christians know God. We know God answers prayer. We know prayer is powerful. And so we need to act like that. It may be the most powerful thing you can do in the middle of this time. And we know our nation needs prayer. So first of all, we need to pray for our nation and our leaders. That's Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. We need to pray so God can heal our land of racial injustice, of, of, of sexual sin, of 
of all these other things that are going on, the, the diseases like the, the coronavirus. Our prayers are what will change our nation. That's what God is saying here. If my people will pray, it doesn't even matter what those who don't follow God do. If just my people will pray, I will come in and heal their land. An example he gives in James chapter five, of course, you actually see the story in first Kings where one man prayed for his nation and it led to a revival. Fire fell from heaven and people turned to God because God used the heartfelt prayers of one man. And that goes into number seven, pray for a great, great awakening. First Corinthians 15, 34 says, awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Awake to righteousness. Awake to righteousness, right? That's what we need the nation to do. Awake to righteousness. We have a skin problem in America, and we do. I know some people want to argue, uh, no, it's not true. The laws apply to everybody. I can tell you myself, someone who's never been in any level of trouble, uh, that I, we have a skin problem. I've had my own experiences. And one of the things I saw on Facebook just a couple of days ago, maybe it was yesterday, when somebody posted a post and they just simply said, you know, hey, what age was the first time you had a police officer pull a gun on you? And if you read the responses, it is heartbreaking from 11 to 12 to 15. It's just a regular experience, unfortunately, for many African-American men who were not doing anything wrong, uh, who were not thugs or or in prison or you know committing crimes just living their lives and so we have a skin problem in america because we're, we're a country of people but most of all we have a sin problem and we need our nation to awake to righteousness and sin now what happened in james chapter 5 i mentioned how that prayer that man's prayer turned the nation in fact the stories in first kings right is that he prayed so that fire fell from heaven. There was an awakening to the fact that God is real and God is right and just and people turned to God. And that's when things changed. And that's when they, they had rain in the middle of a famine. We have been praying for a great awakening for our nation. And I believe God's already started it. We need to continue to pray so that we go from these little drops of rain from heaven to an outright downpour so that people can turn from, from the world's way of doing things, turn from Satan's tricks and traps and, and, and all bondage, and they can just turn to God, man. And when they do that, they can experience the future God has for them. They can be the people God made them to be. We can be one. And as one nation under God, God can use us to help save the rest of the world. And so I want to challenge you today to do the things that you can do while trusting God to do what he can do. I want to encourage you to make a point today of believing that it's going to be all right. God's got us and make a decision that you're going to do your part to help God during this time rather than harm what he's trying to do in other people's lives. I love you. I believe that God's got something planned great for each and every one of us, great for our church family, great for this nation. I think it's still God's nation, the city that's set on the hill, that's supposed to be a light to the world. And it's been so to a degree, but I think its best days are ahead as we do the things that we talked about today. So let me remind you again, there's a few things that we need to do that's going to help us. We need to make a point of being angry and sinning not, of weeping with those that weep, of refusing to fear, of getting the righteous in authority on every level, of being led in regards to protest, of praying for our nation, and then most importantly, praying for a great awakening. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Experience Podcast. 
Remember, God has a future for you.